0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Superbugs Unplugged. This is Matt Wellington, the Public Health Campaigns Director for Perg, and I am joined today by Laura Rogers from the Antibiotic Resistance Action Center. Um, Laura is usually behind the scenes as our producer on the podcast, but unfortunately, Lance is not able to join us today, and so Laura is stepping in uh, to, to fill the co-host role. And we're going to chat about a new study that Arac came out with pretty recently on antibiotics, which is super interesting. So thanks for jumping into the spotlight here, Laura.
1: Oh, I'm happy to I'm happy to be on the side of the microphone. It's exciting.
0: Yeah, it is exciting, isn't it? Um, So, I guess 1st off, do you want to give a little bit of your background for the listeners? Because I don't think you've ever formally introduced yourself to people.
1: Sure. So I am the deputy director of the antibiotic resistance action center here at George Washington University. Before that, I was at the Pew charitable Trusts. I started work there and I think it was like 2008 and I set up all of their antibiotic work. It started with industrial farming and reforms needed there with antibiotics, and then that grew to include the need for new antibiotics for humans and for animals and then uh, grew on top of that to better stewardship of antibiotics in humans as well. And uh, it was about 2014 or 2015 that Lance asked myself and another colleague, if we'd be interested in coming over to GW and helping him set up the Antibiotic Resistance Action Center, and we jumped at the chance and have been going strong ever since.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize that you started to use work on antibiotics. I knew you worked there, but that's, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it was cool, and um, we had a lot of money. It's easy to bring about social change, as you know, if you have a lot of money.
0: Yeah, deep pockets are always a good thing. Um, yeah, you guys started it. The center when I was just getting into the antibiotics work and I thought you were like rock stars. I thought I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. You know, you started this thing and you were all out there doing it. And I just, I thought it was so cool. So.
1: It's a privilege to be able to work next to Lance for, um, you know, we worked together back when I was at Pew, you know, as partners and, but it's great now working for him. He's he's a great boss and just a a good soul. He's he makes the world a better place.
0: Yes. I I definitely, I was going to ask you to see a good boss, but you already covered that. Um, Great. Okay, so why don't you tell us the premise of this study that we're going to chat about today? It was all over the news, which was, I think, great because I was pretty surprised when I saw some of the findings, but why don't you just tell our listeners what was the point of the report, what led you all to do it, and then we'll dig into the findings.
1: Okay, that sounds great. So we had a big paper uh, that was just published in Science magazine in the journal Science uh, on April 7th, which is um, for any scientific nerds uh, out there, they'll know that this is a big deal. It's a big deal for Lance, it was a huge deal for me and for our other co-author, Kevin Lowe from Food ID. And so how this came to be was, um, and our paper looked at uh, the raised without antibiotics, uh, cattle, excuse me, cattle destined for the raised without antibiotics market, and what we found was some cheating going on or some, some, some antibiotic usage. Um, and it came about because the folks from food ID actually approached us. They had done some on farm testing and I can go into more details on that. They brought us their findings and asked us to do an in depth analysis of that. Look at it, pick it apart. See what, um, we had to, you know, what we thought of it and, you know, I'll have to give all the props to Lance because he's obviously the, the lead scientist on the paper. And so he dug in deep and, um, didn't like what he saw it all was very valid and. Um, concerning that um, antibiotics are being used in a label that is supposed to be an absolute zero claim.
0: You can tell that you come from a communications background. That was a great soundbite. He dug into it deep and he didn't like what he saw.
1: <laughs> That's a
0: good soundbite. <laughs> um, so what did he find? So what, what were the, some of the top line findings from the report?
1: Okay, so what we did was we tested nearly 700 cattle from 33 feed yards, all of which were destined, any cattle there were destined for the raised without antibiotics market. And we found that 15% overall um, had been treated with an antibiotic. And um, that was uh, the overall, overall, but then we looked at a subset, which is the cattle that were destined for the gap. Program which is sold into Whole Foods, and twenty six percent of those cattle came up positive for um, at least one antibiotic, and the most common antibiotic was um, chlorotetracycline, and that is a I think a member of the tetracycline family, but it's not something that you would inject into an animal. You would feed it to them um, in their feed, or you would give it to them in their water. So that's a, a big cause for concern.
0: Yeah, as as somebody who you know, chooses to spend the additional money for the raise without antibiotics products. This is pretty infuriating. So, um,
1: yeah, so Lance, Lance joins you in that. He talks a lot about his frustration with, you know, he too spends, you know, thousands of dollars a year on these products, and, you know, we should have confidence in them. And, uh, You know, I think that's what our study highlighted is that, you know, we need to shore this label up because it's an important one. It's where we can point people to. And I think the good news side of it is that 85% were not given an antibiotic. So the vast majority of farmers are able to do this without, you know, sneaking an antibiotic in.
0: Probably is not the most clear thing, but any sense of what the indications were for why those antibiotics would be used?
1: You mean sorry the
0: chlorotetracyclines? If that's the one that came up the most in that batch of animals, do you know what they were using the antibiotic for? Was it being used as? I don't know what chlorotetracyclines are used for when it comes to the feed and water stuff, but I know anytime feed and water antibiotics are used, it's usually large numbers of animals, right? And that's typically for disease prevention, which is the worst, in our opinion, the worst use. So I'm just curious if you have any insight into yeah what were the what were the farmers using them for
1: so you know we don't know these the animals that we tested um had been slaughtered and then the the workers who took the samples took urine from the deceased animal so all we know is what the antibiotic was we don't know what it was for but i think it's really important because um we didn't point this out in the paper and we probably should have is that all of these cattle were grass fed and grain finished. And so their diet changed at the very end of their life. And you know, cows aren't supposed to be fed grain. And so most likely it's something along those lines would be a educated guess, uh, but we don't know for sure.
0: Yeah, and the other thing I think is important is that you know, you're testing the urine. Cause one question I had as soon as I saw the paper before I read the full thing was, how much of this could be like contamination from other products in the slaughterhouses or, you know, I just know those places, I, things get mixed, things get dirty, but you're not testing the meat, just the meat, you were testing urine from the animal, so that would not be a problem.
1: Um, you, know, you you bring up a good point, though, because we can test now at such a specific level that can really find just, you know, uh, you know a lot of things that you know come up hot for you know pot, you know name name up name something a hormone or whatever and so i do think it does raise the question of you know what's an acceptable limit um because you know there's not a lot of if any maybe there's two um you know grain distributors where they're they never mix with an antibiotic and so you know, there could be cross-contamination there with not flushing well enough or, um, you know, those kinds of things. So I think we do as a as a group, um, we need to pull together people to decide what is an acceptable level because there can be environmental exposure. So I think that's, that's next on our agenda.
0: Yeah. And then what was the access like for you to do the testing? Was it pretty easy to get access to the animals and do it or did you have to jump through hoops or was that like?
1: So, food ID did all of that work and, um, you know, they alerted the the feed yards, they asked if they could come on, they told them that they were, you know, going to be looking um, at urine and the feed yards agreed. And, um, you know, you probably noticed we kept everybody uh, anonymous. Yeah. yeah, it's not, it's not about a blame game. It's just about. Highlighting an issue and now we need to fix it.
0: Yeah, so, all right, overall findings, 15% came up with an antibiotic. didn't, and so what does this say? You mentioned before, clearly we need to shore up this label. What does that mean? Like, why is this stuff falling through the cracks at this point with the Raise Without Antibiotics label?
1: So right now it's a system that's trust and not verified. So you as a, a person that's selling these animals, you just have to sign an affidavit saying you didn't use an antibiotic. No one is checking. And so I think what the study shows is that with a quick test, they're not expensive, Um, you know, and you obviously wouldn't test every cattle. That's crazy. That's too many. But whole foods could change their gap requirements to include some kind of subset of animals using an empiric test. So it's not just a, it's not a wink and a nod or a handshake. It's in fact, um, you know, they're verifying what they're selling to consumers is working. And I don't mean to pick on whole foods, you know, moms and, uh you know name name anybody chipotle all of these folks i think actually chipotle does test so
0: moms and dads
1: <laughs> uh, I yeah. moms organic
0: <laughs> Oh I, see, I, see, I, see. I was gonna say usually i'm the one buying the the pushing for the raise of that antibiotics meat. my wife doesn't um care as much about that um so yeah okay so trust but not verify i imagine a lot of the farmers who are I mean, 85% of them clearly are doing the right thing. I imagine they, want, they would want something like this to be more concrete, right? Because they don't want other producers cheating when they're clearly going through the motions and the hard work of making these products um, in the best way possible. So did you get any response from farmers when this came out? Like any response from some of the meat producers?
1: We didn't have anyone directly reach out to us. But the day after our um, our study published, the American Grassfed Beef Association sent out an, a, a press release, you know, calling for change. Um, they were not happy. But they don't want this fifteen percent marring them. Um, right. So that that was good, and 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 we do plan on working closely with them. We've had a had a good relationship with them for many many years.
0: Yeah, that's great. And then so.
1: It's USDA who handles these labels,
0: right? Or is it? Yep. Yeah. It's so, Yeah.
1: FNIs. Yeah.
0: Okay, I don't know how much you can share about conversations with them. If, if any, I'm just curious what their response
1: was like too. So, um, I can't remember actually, if they were quoted publicly, we did, we got so much press. Um, but we are, um, you know, we've all had a relationship with folks at USDA for many, many years. You know, we have a label claim at USDA that's verified at the certified responsible antibiotic use claim. Um, this is different folks at USDA that we'd be working with and they do seem willing. We've had a, a couple of initial conversations. to to at least open the door and figure out how we um, how we can make people have confidence in this label. Because really, you know, at the end of the day, we do need this label we need it um, to have um, real meaning. And then we need to turn our attention to where the real problem lies, which is in conventional beef production, pig production, and turkey production that are using millions of pounds of antibiotics every year. And that's what's creating our antibiotic resistance crisis or adding to it, certainly. And so
0: how does CRAW's verification differ from the raise Without Antibiotics label right now? Because it sounds like there's there's more to CRAW and more than just trust and verify. Is that right? What is What are the differences?
1: Well, so the raise Without Antibiotics label claim is absolute. So you cannot ever use an antibiotic if you were going to put those words on your packaging. And okay. our label was meant to be a new floor for production. We started with poultry. And so we do allow for some uh, antibiotic use. We allow for uh, the use of control of a disease if it's been diagnosed and uh, by a veterinarian and then we allow treatment. But we don't mm. allow prevention and growth promotion is now uh, you know, essentially illegal in the United States. So that, right. that's, that's the difference. So like those RWA, there's just, there's no excuse. There should never, it should never come up hot for an antibiotic. Well, I guess what I'm saying is
0: it's harder to verify what you're doing with CRAW, right? Cause like RWA is just no antibiotics, but for CRAW, how do you, and we don't have to get too much down this, but now I'm just curious, like how do you verify the CRAW label and make sure that they are using it for control versus prevention and just for treatment? Like how does that process work?
1: So we use USDA as our verifier And what will happen is a company will ask to use our label, and then they'll have to go through the process with USDA, either a process verified claim or a quality assurance claim, and um, they'll write out their plan. Uh, USDA will look that over, make sure that it's auditable, like everything in there, and then it must follow, obviously, all of the criteria we have that's behind the Certified Responsible Antibiotic Use claim. And then auditors will go to select farms twice a year and open up the books. They'll visit the feed yards. They'll visit, or not the feed yards, they'll visit the barns. They'll visit the slaughter plants. They'll visit everything. They'll look at all of the records, any any antibiotic applied, all of that. And then we have a, a program that if you if you do end up using an antibiotic and if you don't get it under control within three rounds or three flocks, you're out of the program. And then once you can verify that you've got your problem under control, you can join again.
0: Gotcha. And so that is that different than the process around rwa or is it a similar like usda has people go out to the farms to test
1: they don't test that's for sure okay. it's that's just not required um and every label is a that's you know kind of the bigger issue is that every label is a little different um you know right. this one might want these three things and you know usda doesn't have to be the verifier you could use a third-party verifier um labels in general are are pretty much a mess. We should probably have um Brian or somebody from Consumer Reports on to or maybe Michael to talk about labels and um, yeah. yeah.
0: But it does get to the bigger point you said earlier. Like these are all a stopgap for just solving the bigger problem of not overusing antibiotics in agriculture, right? Like consumers it's great that we have these labels, even though they need to be shored up so that we can try to navigate the marketplace and buy the right products, but we just shouldn't even have to worry about that. Like, I don't wanna have to worry about reading the labels and whatever else. I would much prefer if just every producer I know because it's law (laughs) doesn't overuse antibiotics. Um, (laughs)
1: Exactly right.
0: Yeah, so what are you asking USDA or Congress or who, who can solve the problems on the labels, and then how how are they how are you asking them to do it?
1: Well, I think the problem could be solved a number of ways the The cleanest and most comprehensive would be for u s d a to change the rules behind being allowed to use the words or the label claim raised without antibiotics by requiring empiric testing and then all the details behind that um but i make that sound i'm quite sure so much easier than that is going to be you know changing anything anything the regulation is a long and tedious process i mean you and i look at, we did just to get you know growth promotion out it took us a good a good 8 years which is just crazy but then the other sort of quick way would be for you know leaders in this space so gap whole foods uh whoever runs the open nature line, I don't know if it's giant, but anyone you know in the retail space could then just add the requirement that if you want us to sell this product in our stores, you have to prove to us that you didn't use an antibiotic and that's through testing. And they could yeah. all agree on how many animals, what percentage, how often, all of those things. And then we would see the leadership again in the marketplace and then hopefully others would follow. And then by the time that's done, maybe USDA could have finished its work and then, you know, we would have empiric testing as a requirement, and then we could, you know, to your point, move on to to, to finishing out what we really need to be focusing on is where the lion's share of antibiotics are being used. Um, well, you, you mentioned Congress and... Yeah uh we did send our press release and findings out to members of congress mostly on the agricultural committees for the senate and the house and we did hear from a number of offices and they would like briefings on um, what we found so that's in the beginning stages and so a lot of uh the offices are are you know they have oversight over usda so we want to explore with them you know what we could do to sort of nudge things You know, along faster than the general bureaucracy generally takes.
0: That's great. I also think it's such a good. Way to bring this issue back up for some of these congressional offices, because. You know, you know, better than me back in the day. This used to be a topic on the Hill, like, uh, you know, the legislation wasn't moving, but people were talking about it and it has since just dropped so far away from. Most of these people's radars. I think this is a really great way to to bring it back up. Um, This issue, you know, being the overuse of antibiotics, generally not just the label problems.
1: Yeah, that that's definitely my hope as well. And it, you know, we what we need are a couple of you know we need some vocal champions again. I mean, you know, Representative Louise Slaughter from from New York, you know, who died a few years ago. I mean, she was our she was our stalwart champion for years. I mean, she woke up every single day vexed about this issue and yeah. you know she was a microbiologist so she she knew what she was talking about and and any you know she's she's responsible for so much of the change we have been able to achieve but we we really miss her and her leadership
0: no I know and I you know maybe Lance needs to uh, run for Congress <laughs> we need Lance in there. <laughs> <laughs> I that's think a you campaign could totally... I'd like to work on, wouldn't you? I know, I would work on that campaign. It, well, not on behalf of PERD because we are nonpartisan, to be clear. Uh, but that would be great, yeah. Because, yeah, well, we need another microbiologist in there.
1: Well, I've often said that you should run for Congress, so that's e? a campaign. No. Yeah, for sure.
0: No, no. I can't, I I don't think I can deal with the minutiae and all the pettiness of it. Um, it's it's that's a
1: dark time right now. I feel it's a dark
0: time. Well, okay, so yeah, I mean, I think the report's awesome. Um, do you have anything else you want the listeners to know about
1: it? Yes, I, I one one quick thing is that I don't want people to just think that they should just throw up their hands and not purchase these products. You know, eighty-five yeah. percent are definitely doing it the right way. Um, People are now paying attention, so that might be helping even though we can't prove it with the the people who are maybe breaking the rules. But for now, if you want to go into the grocery store and have more confidence, um, you should choose organic um, because they're inspected at least once a year. They don't do empiric testing, but they do do on-site inspections for all organic raised or any meat uh, claiming to be organic. Um, you can look for, if you see the "raised Without Antibiotics label, you can look for other words that are called process verified. That's also a very, that's a marker that will tell you that um, inspectors actually do go and they look through things they actually go and they actually also inspect the feed and they look specifically for antibiotics in the feed. So just look for those two little extra words. And then um, I would also say to, if you're especially when related to beef, to buy grass fed. And make sure to really pay attention to that label, and make sure it's 100% grass-fed. That seems to be, you know, given given what I highlighted before, that you know these animals that we tested were grain-fed. It changes that that animal's diet so quickly, and so when they can stay on grass, they likely don't get sick. Um, and anything that's tagged with the American Grassfed Association label is 100% grass-fed. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely you know even more conscious now because we're starting to give the baby her first meat products. Oh, wow. Um, and I know you didn't test pork, but we just gave her pork for the first time yesterday. And it was from Whole Foods and it was hilarious watching her chomp on this. She's only seven months old. She doesn't have teeth yet. So we're doing the like baby led weaning thing. This, <laughs> I don't know, this new approach. And uh, yeah, I'm lo- I'm watching this little seven month old baby with a gigantic pork spare rib, just like sucking on the bone and like <laughs> munching on it. It was ridiculous.
1: But she was liking it though, huh?
0: Oh my God, she loved it. She loved That's it. It was amazing. It was hilarious. Um, even though I have a heart attack every time she does it cause I worry she's gonna choke.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So far
0: so good. Not gonna really I know
1: those bad. kids, they're just, they're just a constant state of worry for us.
0: Yeah. I have many new wrinkles since becoming a dad. All right. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for um, coming again into the spotlight. And uh, from behind the curtain as as a producer to to co-host for today's episode, it's been great to chat with you.
1: Yeah, my pleasure.
0: All right. Have a good rest of the day. Thanks.
1: Thanks for listening to this month's episode of Superbugs Unplugged. We really appreciate it, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. I'm Laura Rogers, Deputy Director for ARAC. Now that you've listened to us, we'd love to hear from you. Please send any questions you have our way and we'll do our best to answer them in future episodes. We'd also love to hear your ideas for topics you'd like us to cover in the coming months. You can reach us at superbugsunplugged at gmail.com. And one last thing, if you'd like to help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and ask your friends and colleagues to subscribe. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and every major listening app. We'll talk to you again next month.